So if you were a monk, uh, you actually have, instead of dealing one damage for unarmed attacks, you deal 1d4 damage, uh, which has the potential of dealing like uh, up to, I believe, nine damage, depending on your dexterity. Um, so you can flick someone in the nuts for nine damage. Wow, that's a lot of damage for just a nut flick. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Given the Platform, the show where we give unsung people the chance to flaunt their extraordinary passions and knowledge. Do you have something that you want to talk about? Contact us at giventheplatform at gmail.com. Make sure to download us on your favorite podcasting platform, and also... If you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars. That would really help. And follow us on social media at Given the Platform on both Instagram and Facebook to get updates on what, who our upcoming guests are going to be and what they're going to talk about. Today we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons with Nick Scafudo. Uh, this is something that I did not go in knowing much about, which is always my favorite preface for an episode. Um, he's just so fun and funny to talk to, and I definitely went from someone who... Uh, didn't appreciate the game as much as I should have to someone who now understands how fun it could be. And I hope the same happens for you. Enjoy. Today we are joined by Nick Scafudo. He is a friend of mine. He is a very prolific music major, very talented. But today we're talking about his talents in a different area, which is Dungeons and Dragons. Hi, Nick. Hello, Harrison. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. After we're, we're doing this in quarantine right now, so I'm doing as good as you can in your room for two weeks straight. So Dungeons and Dragons. Let me just tell you right now, I've never played it. I know what it's about because my friends, yeah, because my friends wanted to start it. And I think it sounds fun. They, I definitely didn't at first. At first, they had brought it up, and I was like, that's a little weird. And then they sold it to me. But I still don't know much about it, so I'm excited for you to enlighten me on this subject. So before we start, you are a dungeon master? Is that what they call it? Yeah, it's kind of like when when you say the full. <laughs> I, I feel like when if you say the full name, I legally have to return my V card uh, to, <laughs> to the government at this point. Uh, we kind of I don't know. I always feel more comfortable saying DM because I don't have to <laughs> say Dungeon Master out loud. Uh, but yes, I, I am the I'm the Dungeon Master, the DM uh, of just a, a little campaign that I'm doing with some friends at home. Uh, it's a lot of fun because um, most of them have not played the game before. Um, so it, it really is just kind of like a test of, of, can I, uh, can I teach people how to play this game? Uh, and also can we have a good time doing it where, you know, it's, it's really cool. You know, we don't take it too seriously and that's, a, that's, you know, that's always good. Yeah. And no judgment here. I, your expertise <laughs> is valued in this environment. Thank so you. <laughs> can you just, for anyone who doesn't know the game that well, including me, but especially someone who hasn't even heard like anything about what it's about, can you just give me like a nice synopsis of how you would describe the game to someone who is completely ignorant to it? Sure. So the the way I've always kind of described it uh, is that it is at its core a collaborative storytelling game. Uh, you know, using RPG or uh, role-playing game systems to tell the story. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like sitting around a campfire and telling a story of, of you know, dungeons and dragons and brave heroes and, and, and evil warlocks and stuff like that. Um, but the thing that determines how the story goes is uh, rolling dice. So here, let me, get, let me you, know, you can use this audio. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's the nerdiest thing you're ever going to hear in your entire life. Uh, but yeah, you you roll dice, and essentially, um, you know, the, that randomness helps affect uh, the game and and affects the story. But what I okay, this is going to be maybe I should wait to bring this up. But from what I understand, you roll the dice and you get a number, and you tell the dungeon master the number, mm-hmm. and then the dungeon master just decides what that number means. Exactly. Yeah. It's completely, you know, the, so there's a little bit of a give and take, right? So, uh, and this kind of, you know, ties back into how you play the game. Uh, So essentially you as the player character uh, have a bunch of numbers, your stats, right? And different things that uh, show how good you are at certain things. So uh, you have strength and you have dexterity, constitution, which is like how sturdy you are, how healthy you are. Uh, Your your intellect, which is, you know, how much have you studied? Your wisdom, which is how much life experience have you had? And your charisma, which is like, oh, how good are are you with people right and certain you know certain characters and certain classes and certain um and races in the game have benefits to those stats uh so you know you get bonuses uh to certain kinds of like actions and stuff like that you describe what you want to do to the dungeon master uh so for example i want to talk to the guard uh who's guarding the jail where my uh my uh, party member is and I need to go rescue them uh, and I want to like talk my way through it so I would use like a persuasion skill and if I'm good at charisma then I'm I'm you know, I'm gonna be good at it essentially so then you roll a dice uh, in most cases it is a d20 which is a 20-sided die it's a lot of numbers <laughs> uh, and you roll that you get a number on that dice roll you add whatever um, stat bonus you get to that skill, and then that number determines how well you do at the thing that you wanted to do. Uh, and the dungeon master decides what happens next as a result. So you have to have a lot of trust in this dungeon master. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely the relationship between the players and, and the DM is is really unique uh, in terms of like creativity and stuff like that. It, it's not like... You know, it, uh, like any to like a composer in an orchestra, right? Like you're not that relationship isn't as intimate uh, as uh, it is with a player and their dungeon master, which is a really weird sentence to say out loud. <laughs> no, um, no, it's good. It, it also doesn't seem like you're fighting against the dungeon master or you're playing against him or her. Uh, yeah, yeah. If if uh, <laughs> if the vibes are good, then hopefully not. <laughs> Uh, but there, it, it definitely, really is up to um, up to the players and up to the DM how the vibes are, because uh, there, there, you hear horror stories of dungeon masters who kind of just like they, they have like a really firm grip on what they want the story to be, uh, and you know, it, it's it, that that kind of isn't as fun because it kind of reduces the playability, like the, the what the player characters can do, you know. That that gives me big like you know those games that you used to play as a kid, but then you just made up the rules as they went along. That gives me big oh, that yeah. vibes. Oh but, yeah, Listen, yeah. Oh yeah, we all used to run around with wiffle bats, right? And and just swung in imaginary enemies. Was it just me? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so there's no there's no like prompts as to what the storyline is. Uh not necessarily. Uh, so I can. You know, we can we can go into like the creative process of all this stuff, but th- there are uh, there are like pre-set uh, campaigns that are released from uh, Wizards of the Coast, which is the company that produces Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and you know, those are great, and those are you know well crafted by actual people who you know have studied game design and stuff like that. Or you can just kind of make it up, right? The wonderful thing about Dungeons and Dragons is it's just a really big improv game with a lot of numbers. 
right? So you you and your um you know, the, the entire uh, group of people who are playing the game kind of create the story out of seemingly nothing, right? Uh, I, I can tell you with my process, I kind of have like I the the story, the campaign, as they're usually called, that we're going through. I have like this huge overarching story that I want to get to, but how we get to the place that I want to be at is completely dependent on the player characters and their choices. Okay, yeah, that makes okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I can yes, never. We- I can't imagine being a dungeon master. I feel like because I, so I was offered to play this game. It didn't end up working out because we were all so busy. But some of my friends from school, and I don't, I don't know any of the, like the fancy terms. But all I know mm-hmm. is I was like, I was the elf that was like the loud one, not like mm-hmm. the quiet pen. I it's like a sun and a moon elf. I think I was the sun elf or whatever, mm-hmm. and like my yeah. thing was like singing. We got that far. And, like, I knew that I wanted to play this game to just, like, be a complete, like, idiot. Yeah. Which I thought was fun. But I don't think I could ever be a dungeon master because I don't... That's too much responsibility and I wouldn't be able to just, like, bullshit everyone and <laughs> just be stupid. So right, I admire right. I admire your uh, leadership and your ability to take one for the team. Do you find that you enjoy being in the campaign or being the dm like what do you enjoy more or like which benefits come with which right i mean it, it there's there is benefits to both of them uh i definitely wouldn't want to dm two games at the same time uh but i really do like doing both uh because you know as a player character you can kind of just you get to interact with a world uh and you can kind of like my favorite thing is kind of almost testing the limits of, of what I can do, what is feasible. Uh, not not to pester the the DM, but to just like, you know, keep them on their toes and see what kind of stuff they can come up with. That's know? exactly what I think I would do and that I wanted to do before we started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's, it is a good time, I will say. Uh, but you know, you have to kind of know, again, that's, that's that trust thing. You have to know your dungeon master and they have to know you uh, and you have to know not to push them too hard, you know. Uh, but as the dungeon master, I mean, you get to do a bunch of silly voices. Uh, you get to, you know, uh, make a bunch of like. Recently, we did a um, uh, in in like um tabletop gaming. Uh, there's something called a one shot, which is essentially it's not a bigger like long form campaign. It's just supposed to be done in one like three hour session, right? So we did one recently um in in the in the world that that we're playing in uh and you can just do dumb stuff i I literally there's a character named mama freddy that i just completely just super plagiarized from the mcelroy's and and my brother my brother and me uh and and they have she she owns a pizza shop a pizzeria uh and they i had them go to the pizzeria as like a night guard uh kind of like night security and there were animatronics there so we just did five nights at mama freddy's like you know it's like you can just tell jokes and and make it into games you know which is which is a lot of fun but okay so you said something that piqued my interest Mm -hmm. you played a campaign that was only three hours that part i get in the world that you built so are you saying set a campaign you set multiple campaigns in one world I actually did. Um, the, this is kind of kind of related, but I had a I was DMing another campaign that, that kind of just fell through because you know time constraints. You know, it's hard to get everybody on the same uh, schedule. Um, but you know, I, I did kind of a um, so I kind of did a Stephen King, uh, the, just the full shebang. 
uh, in, in that I've created a world and I created some characters and I just kind of, I have used them in, in a bunch of different, but really only two, I shouldn't say a bunch. I haven't been doing this for too long, uh, but I used them in, a, in another campaign. And I was like, well, I have these characters. I have this world that I really, really love. Uh, I don't want to, you know, just say goodbye to them. So I just use them again, but with a different campaign, you know? Now, is that normal or do people do that? Or is that like kind of like something that you did just because you wanted to? Um, I haven't really, uh, really, a lot of uh, Dungeon Masters I uh, have listened to over podcasts and stuff like that, uh, like to do different uh, worlds for different things. I just, uh, I, I, I personally felt like I didn't get, um, in, in the last campaign, again, it, it ended a little bit early, again, just for scheduling stuff, which kind of, that's never fun. Uh, but uh, I just felt like I didn't get what I wanted to get out of those characters, you know, in terms of their arcs. Uh, and in terms of their relationships with with one another, so I was like, oh, you'll just use them again, you know. And if I ever uh, DM another campaign, I will. Uh, I'll I probably not use these guys, you know. Yeah, and that also brings me to the point: how strict are their rules for this game, and how strict are they? Uh, so this is where I feel like a lot of misconception uh, comes in with Dungeons and Dragons, mm. right? Uh, there is a there is a player's handbook for fifth edition, which is the edition uh, that as the most current one there have obviously been five <laughs> give or take editions um in total uh you know that this handbook is 293 pages long uh which is a lot of fun um and yes it has uh, very detailed rules of how to play the game uh however you don't have to follow any of them if you don't want to uh you know if you just like the system of how you play the game of rolling a d20 to determine um you know the the outcomes of different uh situations um then you can just kind of go for it you know uh me personally i take the um, uh the classes and and the races and like all the all the um you know, fundamental stuff and like uh in terms of how combat works in terms of what spells people can cast uh and that kind of stuff uh, and uh, that's kind of it. it, it there's like very specific rules about like the timing of things uh, and how spell casting works that are just a little bit too specific uh, for for my taste. So at least with my campaigns, what would I um, uh, do is I kind of just um, I, I bend the rules a little bit. I, I don't know if you want me to get into specifics, but I just kind of bend the rules to fit um, to fit my playstyle and and uh, my friend's playstyle a little bit better. Yeah, no, I was about to ask, like, how does combat work in the more complicated things? So, like, oh, specifically yeah. combat and spell casting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's really actually quite interesting. The because um, kind of ties back into the the history of everything. When the game uh, it was created in uh, in 1974, uh, they it was like an expansion for this other game called Chainmail uh, and this other other game called Outdoor Survival. Right? It was almost like an expansion pack uh, that you kind of um, you use their rules to play the game, which is really interesting. Uh, but the game itself came with optional combat rules and then those eventually became uh the combat rules that we know of now as the as D. &D. uh but essentially when you um the dm creates like a combat scenario with a bunch of uh uh you know enemies um that either come pre uh made in the monster uh like manuals that come with the game um or you can just make your own which is really cool uh, and what you do is you roll a d20 to determine uh, the order of when you attack. 
Uh, and then from there, the players decide when it's their turn what to do. They have a bunch of different weapons um, that do uh, different amounts of damage depending on their classes and depending on their skill sets and stuff like that. And this is where the other dice come into play. Um, the, these are more like for dealing damage, like the D6, which is like your standard dice. Uh, there's a D4 that kind of looks like a pyramid that's really hard to roll. Uh, and, you know, there's also a D10, a D8, and a D12. And there's also D100, but don't worry about the D100. We don't talk about the D100. Do you um, need all these dice or do you just need the D20? Or can you play I, with just the D20? Honestly, you can just play with, with your phone. You can ask Siri to roll uh, any number, like an, an any signed die. I which didn't is really cool. think about that. Oh, that yeah. is so and, cool. Oh, yeah. And Google uh, also has a dice roller that, that's just like right up there. Because, I mean, tech companies, they're nerds. They, they, they get it. <laughs> they get it. They're nerds and they know poor people, which is exactly <laughs> a winning duo. A winning duo. So, uh, so okay. So let's do a hypothetical. I'm in yeah, a fight go. with you and I go mm -hmm. first and I roll my dice. What do I do? Okay. So I say like, I'm going to like kick you in the nuts. And then like, I roll my dice and then like the number is like the power of the move. Uh, okay. So yeah. So basically yes. And, uh, but before we roll for the power of the move, you have to roll to see if it hits. So this is, you roll a D 20. Uh, let's say you get a 16, right? Uh, and uh, then you add like whatever modifier would probably be dexterity. Cause this, you're using your foot to kick me in the nuts. Uh, <laughs> so but i have that free range of just saying i'm gonna kick you in the nuts i don't have oh, yeah, to like you... pick a move set oh yeah i mean you could totally i mean yes it's probably better to uh to pick a move set because uh technically it's an unarmed attack so you'd only be dealing one damage flat uh but you can definitely kick me in the nuts you can do whatever the hell hold, you want hold on what do you mean by unarmed <laughs> it, you're not using a weapon essentially okay so what if i said i'm gonna smack you in the nuts with my mace Okay, so that's a little bit different. Now what you do is you're going to roll a d20. Let's say you got a 16 and your strength is like 2 and you have proficiency, which is a whole other... I, again, I could... It, this is a whole thing. Uh, but, but do we have to make number. Do we have to make up all this stuff? Like, do I make up the fact that I want to use proficiency and agility and whatever I do? Mm -hmm. Like, do I pick that on my own or is that like a preset thing that the dungeon master has to determine? So this is a preset thing that's in the rules of the game. Uh, and, and like the way that that kind of stuff interacts with each other. So like before we would play the actual game, you have to build a character and then all of that stuff, all of those stats are with that character and it's character sheet. But then uh, how so, do you not do like a, just an overpowered character that's good at everything? Or do you just like not do that for the sake of fun? Like just take one for the team. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so uh, sorry, generally, uh, if you're doing a long form campaign, you start at level one. And and then uh, you go, it, the levels are 1 to 20, right? And the more you play, the more experience you get. Uh, if you want to use an experience system, uh, or basically you, the DM can also just tell you when to level up. Uh, and as you keep leveling up, you get better and better stuff and more skills and you get more spells and stuff like that, depending on your class. And that's kind of how you get more overpowered as you keep going on. But if you're starting out, uh, usually you're going to be pretty weak. Level 1 characters are pretty weak in comparison. Uh, so you probably, the balance, you know, it's up to the DM to balance the monsters that you're fighting with the level that you're at so okay and like is this all on like a realism basis so if i was like super overpowered and i was like i'm gonna flick you in the nuts could i do a lot of damage doing that like is there a way for me to finagle that outcome uh, yes there is uh depending on again your class so if you were a monk uh, you actually have, instead of dealing one damage for unarmed attacks, you deal 1d4 damage, uh, which has the potential of dealing like uh, up to, I believe, nine damage, depending on your dexterity. Um, so you can flick somebody in the nuts for nine damage. Wow. That's a lot of damage for just a nut flick.
can we also go into spells? So can I cast whatever spell I want, or do I have to pick from a preset list? There is a preset list, depending on uh, the class uh, that you choose. Yeah. But wait, there's, and there's, that, there's, no, there's no liberty with that? Um, and this, this, this goes back into the bending of the rules, right, that we were talking about before. You can do, again, whatever you want to do, depending on how the DM wants the game to go, right? Um, but there, there are ways to, like, so, for example, the, the bard class, which is probably the one uh, that your friends wanted you to play um, as, as your elf character. Uh, bards have a special ability at a certain level where they can learn spells from other uh, classes. You know, so when I was playing my bard, um, I I took uh, this spell from a warlock class. That's probably the best one in the game, in my opinion, uh, just because of the way that it works. Because in spellcasting, there are cantrips that don't like cost essentially mana to um, to cast. Right. Instead of using like I I know mana, but can you go over cantrips real quick before continuing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the way that um, cantrips are like they're spells that don't cost anything to cast, uh, unless you're using the uh, official D and D rules, which is like you need to have like like a piece of tattered cloth or or the fang from a from a from a dragon uh, to cast this kind of spell. <laughs> or you could just say that yeah, you probably have it, and you can just do it anyway. Like it, you know, it it just depends. Um, so I I I personally don't use those kinds of things. Um. Unless it's interesting for the story, right? Uh, but yeah, they don't cast count. They don't count against your like mana score or whatever. Uh, instead of like using like a pool of mana, um, there's a system called spell slots, uh, and there's different levels of spells up uh, one through nine, uh, and you have a certain amount of spell slots that are again determined by your class um, and and your level, uh, and you can cast as many uh, like first level spells as you have first level spell slots. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of like your mana pool. So if you have three, um, so wizards have like a lot of spells that they learn, uh, that they have, that's kind of their shtick. Uh, they have like the spell book that they can read out of. Right. Uh, so you have like a bunch of different spells, but you only have three spell slots, you know, so you have to choose your spells wisely. And you can't switch your spells out of the slots. You can't switch them off. Uh, as a wizard, you actually can, because like it's like thinking of in the fiction, you have like a spell book, so you write in different like incantations Got or whatever it. in the fiction. Uh, yeah, but some of the other classes though, it's a little bit different. So like a paladin, uh, kind of you. I mean, you can relearn spells, um, but I feel like for the paladin, it's a little bit more contained. Uh, you don't really get as many uh, spells to work with. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm it, trying to keep up with these terms. I but... know. Yeah, I know. This is this is where it gets real nerdy. <laughs> no, but it sounds like a lot of fun, but I'm very upset that I can't cast whatever spell I want. Yeah, and again, and so it, it it depends. If you have a DM that's like, yeah, screw it. Just do whatever you want. Then you can, you know, it, it just depends on the vibe. I'm uh, pretty sure the DM for the group that was going to start, that my friends and I were going to start, listens to this, I'd hope. So <laughs> this is just my request out there. Like, let me cast, yeah. let me like Beetlejuice this. <laughs> let me Beetlejuice <laughs> this game. Um. So can we go, I want to talk so much about the game, like more of mm-hmm. the fun aspects of the game, Yeah. but because I want to make this informative because I feel obligated to, um, is there anything else on the history of the game that you want to speak on? Sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I'll have some notes. I wrote some notes down. For this <laughs> Thank time. you. Yeah. So like I, I mentioned before, the game was almost like an expansion pack for Chainmail and Outdoor Survival. Um, as, when it came out in 1974, uh, it was extremely ahead of its time. Uh, and which is a fun way of saying nobody knew how to play it at the time because of how complicated it was in comparison to other tabletop games at the time. 
you know, people thought that the rules were extremely vague uh, and you essentially needed to have knowledge of other tabletop games to play the original Dungeons and Dragons uh, that has, you know, become to be uh, known as first edition or just standard Dungeons and Dragons. Um, between 1974 and 1989, there was a bunch of, uh, of of like renewals. There was something called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons that made things way more complicated, and then there was like a beginner's version that made things like way more streamlined. Uh, and it was just trying to get like as many people to play the game as possible in between those years. Um, and then Second Edition came out in 1989. Um, this is this is where things kind of get interested uh, interesting in terms of like its history, right? This is the version uh, that they took away a lot of the moral ambiguity of the previous edition like they essentially took out like all of the evil stuff because a bunch of <laughs> christian moms were like i'm sorry you have demons in this game <laughs> i don't think jesus would want demons in this game uh <laughs> so they literally they they basically just axed all of that stuff from the game and there was more of a push uh, you know the game was being aimed at teenagers which is like you know uh, this is this is around i don't I can't remember when the comic came out, but there is a there's something called the Chick Tract uh, that was about uh, that was by this dude named Jack T. Chick, uh, and it was a bunch of like religious um, comics that talked about uh, like the folly of man and all these other things. And the, one of the most famous examples of it was this comic called I, I, I comics. No, comic is fun. It was this. I don't even know. It was like this little like newspaper, like, you know, the ones that you see in the newspaper, those kinds of things uh -huh. uh, called Dark Dungeon. Uh, and it was just, oh, my God, you, you can read up on it. It's it's crazy. They basically were like, D&D &D is really summoning Cthulhu, the evil squid monster that oh would ruin God. the world. And it was just so stupid. It was just, you know, fear mongering. The book ends and uh, the comic ends on a happy note with a <laughs> with a mass book burning. It's crazy, dude. Uh, and you know that that's all surrounding this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's wild. <laughs> yeah. So okay, before we go on, I have to clarify. When you talked about tabletop games before D and D, are we mm -hmm. talking like Sorry or like Clue? Maybe uh, Clue. Maybe Clue. I mean, Clue is probably Sorry is kind of like its own thing. Like there, there's those types of like board games. Tabletop games were just a little bit more uh, advanced. That the the really advanced ones were, uh, I believe, they were called war games at the time. Um, there was a bunch of different kinds of like war game simulators. I, I, I can't name them off the top of my head, uh, but those were more for like the serious like tabletop, um, you know, uh, players it's a little bit. I would say like tabletop games, I, I feel like has like a bit of a more like serious connotation to board games, which are like, you know, sorry. And there's nothing wrong with sorry. Um, but, you know, these these are for the more serious uh, people, <laughs> like a free wielding, like less strict of a rule set, like you kind of go it's human run instead of run by the rules and the boards themselves. Interestingly, uh, it kind yes and no because like hmm. at the time again remember D and D was like so uh, I think the word is esoteric that it was just kind of like it was so loosey goosey in its rules like as as like a point um, that again that that was seen as vague even for people who played tabletop games like like tabletop games at the time were kind of very specific in their rules and D, &D to an extent is uh, but because of the nature of the game itself it kind of can go into places that um, it, that you know maybe Gary Gygax the guy who well Gary Gygax and, and Dave Arneson I forgot to mention them um, you know what they in, intended the game to be you know and it's so really they're the creators yeah, they're the, they're the original creators. Got and it. then Gary Gygax kind of, he's the one who's a little bit more uh, known for creating the game. It's kind of like a Stanley, uh, what's his name? Jack Kirby? The guy, the other guy who did actually all the Marvel stuff? Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about, but I can't. Yeah, that guy. 
<laughs> to, to, to my point i don't know his name i'm sorry <laughs> uh but yeah, yeah yeah so um but but that's a that's a compliment to the rules and and to the 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 community that surrounds the game because like a lot of people at the time uh, in the seventies and into the eighties were like making their own kind of expansions and, and their own classes and they were doing like these uh, they we call them homebrewing now uh, and you know uh, the the people Gary Gygax was like and and Dave Arneson to an extent was like oh this is cool I want to add this to the core game and they like took you know fan made things and like added them to the core of the game uh which is really cool like a really cool relation that's cool and i mean i think that sets a precedent because nowadays it's such so important for a game developer to keep in contact with its audience to -hmm. introduce what they want into the game you know what actually that reminds me of um Mm -hmm. the animal crossing update that just came out that allows the villagers that allows you to sit down i don't know if you know animal crossing new horizons Oh no! Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm aware. I'm a, I'm a Nintendo fan. Uh, I don't really like Animal Crossing, but I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah. So there's this whole aspect where all the villagers were able to sit down, and they'd mm-hmm. sit down in the most inconvenient places, and almost as like a nod to that, they literally in the newest update was like, okay, now you can sit down, and now there are all these posts of these like, like people playing the game sitting down to in order to interfere with like the pathway of their villagers like being like oh who's laughing now which is so (laughs) genius because it literally gave the audience exactly what they wanted and now they're basically advertising it for nintendo Mm -hmm. so this concept that oh sorry excuse me so this concept that you listen to your audience to build upon a game that they want and like adapt to what they need I think I don't know if that came before Dungeons and Dragons, but in you talking about it, it reminds me of how that's so effective nowadays. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's like a that's a sign of a good company right there. I mean, another good example is what happened with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Remember, the original design was oh my god, hideous. and then the fans basically bullied. I think Sony came up with the movie. They basically bullied them into making it into more of like a Sonic that they recognized. You know, it's like a, a good a good like organization will take the criticism of its fans and like you know use it. Uh, it's really interesting to see it actually play out though. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. Okay. If there's any more history, please continue. Oh, yeah. Also. Yeah. My question is, when did the rules, like, as you continue on with the history, mm. at what point did the rules become so loosey-goosey? Like, at what point did it diverge between the players who really wanted to stick by the rules and the people who decided that it could be whatever they wanted it to be? Right. Uh, it, it actually became more that, it, it's like an ebb and flow. So it started out as pretty loosey-goosey, and then as time went on, um, in these next two editions that I'm going to get to, they kind of tightened up the rules a little bit more, and then in 5th edition, they I, I and, th- and this is all my opinion, they they loosened it more in 5th edition. Uh, is 5th which, edition the newest one? Yeah, that's the newest one. I believe it came out in 2012. Uh, the The Next one uh, that I was going to mention, third edition came out in 2000. This is actually where they introduced the D20 um, that the game is so known for. Before they were just rolling different dice, uh, which is really pretty interesting. Uh, and this was released in 2000. Uh, so it's you know it's it's wild that this concept uh, of the game uh, that I, I believe the D20 is like really associated with D and D. I mean, it really it's only been around for 20 years, which is crazy. This 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 edition did um a lot before t- um, in terms of like 
uh, your classes and the races that uh, that you were playing as, uh, certain races were attached to certain classes, which I think is bullshit. Uh, and so did third edition, and they took that away. Now any class can be any, or any race can be any class, which is really cool. Uh, and then next uh, in 2007, the fourth edition came out. This is where things got really tight, in my opinion, uh, because the combat you essentially needed to have like a game board, uh, like like a like a like a thing that represents the battle area uh, to be able to play this game because it was so focused on combat and on like movement and on moving enemies to where you wanted them to go. Um, which is like cool if you want like a combat simulator, but I, in my, you know, in my opinion and what I've seen, I kind of like um, the more loosey goosey feel. It's about the journey. <laughs> it's about the journey, baby. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in, in fifth edition, they kind of loosened all those rules again and they made it a little bit more vague uh, in terms of like combat things. And it's more about like the adventure and it's more about the characters and, and the, those kinds of things. And yeah. again, all in my opinion. Now, I just have to point out how mm -hmm. hilarious it is. That they had to, they built their own um, class system and then had to tear it down themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's oh, man. what a, what an ironic. There's definitely like some metaphor in there somewhere. There's some philosophy class in there somewhere. Oh um, my god, yeah, I I, I really I, I I do think a lot about that because like, oh man, like individual like i think it's individual like not non i don't think systemic racism is built into the game or at least i hope it's not but definitely like that kind of like um uh, for example the half elves as a class is the is the son of a, a human and an elf or the, the child sorry uh and that in the game in the manual it's like they are hated by everyone and it's like dude what <laughs> are we sure we want to do this it's it's kind of you know in that's challenging uh as a as a player and as a dm to like deal with those rules that are built into the game i choose to ignore them because that i just feel like that's kind of i don't like that personally i don't like how that's baked into the rules um but i do find that it's interesting that it's baked into the rules and and it can lead to a lot of interesting stories you know i mean it's not unprecedented in the world of fantasy like the, yeah, these sure. kind of class systems so i don't think they originated yeah. it but for sure just, just in the war of fantasy yep just in the world of fantasy <laughs> That's yeah, it. no, but what I'm saying, I mean, isn't that the same I thing in like Lord of the Rings and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a similar thing. Uh, this there's more uh, races in in the Dungeons and Dragons lore than in Lord of the Rings. Do uh, they just kind of built on it? But it, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is like a totally different topic, so we won't get into it. But like, mm -hmm. all, especially like in Harry Potter, like all these references to like the Nazi party and stuff. Am I being right in this? I don't, I've watched like video essays about how fantasy uses like racism and classism and like tries to incorporate all these things, which is so, I don't know. I would never, I yeah. prescribe to the belief that if you don't have to include it and uh, whatever, you know what? Actually, I'm not yeah. going to say that. Cause I think there's an important aspect to be had that, Sometimes you do want to reflect society and sometimes mm -hmm. you want to create a utopic environment. So yeah, for sure. Dealer's choice. I just think it's interesting the choices that are made and why they're made. Moving on, what's mm -hmm. your history with the game? Like your experience? When did you first start playing? Like when did you learn about it? Things like that. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like my story is kind of similar to a lot of people's where it's like a, a bunch of my friends did it in high school and I was like, I'm never going to play D&D. &D. And then uh, I listened to the Adventure Zone and then I was like, uh, <laughs> I want to play D&D. &D. Now, can you um, explain the Adventure Zone? Because I don't know what that is. 
Oh, it, it's a podcast um, uh, by the the McElroys uh, and their and their father, uh, and it's just wonderful. I, I I can't, you know, just the impact that the story has had on me. I really, I mean, I can't explain it here. I would say go listen to it. It's very good. Um, but you know that the way that they played D and D, and they were just like they had fun, but they also told like a, a an overarching story that got you know serious at times, uh, and and was really emotional, like that kind of thing. I wanted that. I wanted that very very badly. Oh, so it seems like the pod the podcast was the recorded like game. Yeah, yeah, it was them playing the game. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of podcasts that that do that. Like uh, hello from the uh, hello from the Magic Tavern does that. Uh, Critical Role. Uh, also does that um, and more that I can't think of right now, but like, you know, it's essentially just them playing the game and recording them talking. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my history. And then I, I played uh, two campaigns as a, or two like, you know, sessions. We didn't go for super long as characters. And I was like, yeah, I could probably figure this out. And how old were you? Uh, this is like two years ago. So, so two like years that. ago you started and then you wanted to be a campaigner. When did you want to become like a dungeon master? Like right away? Uh, it was more of, a, it was a little bit out of necessity, uh, which, you know, that's where I feel uh-huh. like a lot of things come from. Uh, you know, we we wanted to play uh, and our dungeon master wasn't going to be there. So I was like, yeah, I could probably figure it out. Uh, and then I I did, and it was it wasn't e- it's not easy. I, I want to you know it's it's not an easy thing. It doesn't sound uh, it, easy. No, it, it's kind of like because balancing is always an issue um, in terms of am am I giving them the right monsters? Am I uh, you know are is it too easy? Is it too hard? Uh, and those kinds of things. And you know once I've stopped, um, I, I do think about balancing, but I don't make it my focus. Um, uh, because I think it's more fun to just kind of let them explore the sandbox, you know? Yeah, that that's what seems interesting to me. So you seem like a fun person to play with. I will definitely join your next campaign if you need a if you need um a, a bard elf. <laughs> a wisecracking elf bard, yes. <laughs> well, I maybe not wise, but definitely. <laughs> um <laughs> nah, so, you do great. Okay. You got this game, you started playing it. Well, maybe not, you didn't get the game. Uh, mm-hmm. You started playing this game. Um, what is has been your favorite aspect of the game? And what is like the one aspect of the game that you don't really like that much? Or uh, even mm-hmm. better content for me that you like absolutely hate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the thing that I really love about uh, D&D, and this is, this is partially... Um, like, like I but the macro was before I, I i i you know hearing them talk about the game has really um set my way of thinking about it uh but i think it's just so interesting um it's for unexpected for for things to happen unexpectedly and, and for interesting interactions that are just not planned to happen to, for them to happen because of you know improv and because of the the skills of the player character and the dm in terms of creating the story right like i really think the collaborative aspect of it is super um it's just so important and so crucial um and but i, I gotta say my favorite moment uh, to ever come out of D was i was playing as a character and uh we there was like a thing underneath the town that we had to stop and it was like probably going to explode uh and so we were like 
okay, so we're just going to go ahead. We're low on health. Let's take a short rest, which is a way of healing. Um, and, you know, just to get some hit points back. And our DM was like, okay, you're going to take a short rest. And we're like, yeah, we're, we'll take a short rest. Uh, forgetting that in the game time, a short rest is like an hour. So he was like, okay, you take a short rest and the thing explodes. And we're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, but like, that's great. Like, or, or not for the people who got exploded, but for, <laughs> for the story. Um, and, and, you know, we got like, as, as a party, we got blamed for not taking care of the thing. And I got like real life mad as my character, uh, which was really cool being able to feel that emotional connection with my character in that moment. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> and in terms of things that, um, that it, the thing that I don't like super much is, is kind of like uh, what I mentioned before about like, people kind of ruining the game it's not necessarily something that's wrong with the game but it's just like i feel like people's attitudes towards the game can be a little shaky sometimes uh which is never fun i feel like that just it kind of just ruins the whole thing um are you talking about like the stickler attitude like you must stick to what it says exactly like Mm -hmm. yeah people who yeah people who um uh, kind of there's nothing wrong with sticking to the rules but it's the people who like continuously drive the point home that like ah the rules you know or or even just people's attitudes about like uh about the game itself um there's again there's nothing wrong with uh not wanting to role play or not wanting to do any of those kinds of things um but you know i i just feel like when attitudes collide uh and when there's not like a clear connection between like what what kind of you know between all of the people who are playing the game at the same time of what this is uh then it can kind of lead to like butting heads and and that's kind of never good because i feel like that just kind of ruins the spirit of the game you know do you have that experience often or do you just have like a nice campaign group that just understands Mm -hmm. the same way you do uh it it depends uh i i haven't really had uh super big issues but i've heard like horror stories of of that kind of stuff happening call them Uh, out call them out i can't never you won't make me no but it's you know in terms of the game itself um i really don't have anything i think it's a good game uh obviously i i take some liberties with it but i think overall the rules are like fine i just wish it was not as intimidating um going into it as it as it actually is like if you buy the player's handbook and you take a look at it it's just like overwhelming uh with the amount of stuff that's in it you know i I just wish there was an easier way to ease into it uh that comes from like the company itself there there are there are forums online that you can go to but i just wish there was like something from wizards of the coast yeah i get that when do Mm -hmm. you think is there news of an upcoming game or an upcoming edition uh, not that I've uh, heard of, but I, I haven't looked for it, so maybe. I don't know. I mean, it does feel pretty timeless. I feel like you don't even need the latest edition to be able to play. I don't think you need the edition at all by the sounds of it. Yeah, you really don't. I mean, you can kind of do your own thing with uh, with really anything. That that's If if RP, you know, playing D&D has taught me anything, as RPGs and like this kind of storytelling thing, you can kind of, you can do it. You know, we were doing this as kids when we played games that we were like, and now this happens and I have a bullet immunity and all these things, you know, that's creating a story. It's not a very good story, but, <laughs> but it's creating a story and it's creating something out of nothing. You know? And that's just so interesting to me. You know, yeah. the, the, you know, yeah, I have a deep fascination with these games that exist outside their monetary counterparts. Like, I never consider that Dungeons and Dragons is such a cultural staple that you don't even need to buy it to be able to play it, which exists so far outside of, like, the industry and capitalism, in a sense, 
like same mm-hmm. thing with like mafia. Like I can sit nine people down right now and play mafia with them without having to buy a mafia game, which yeah. I think is just so intriguing to me. But I mean, mafia is more of a wider, like it start, it didn't start out as like a purchasable item like dungeons and dragons did. So that's even yeah, cooler. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it really just kind of speaks to that good old human experience and about like how we used to have fun back in the day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what would you say has been your, what was your favorite memory playing this game of your two years of experience? Uh, yeah, uh, is oh man, um, that's a hard one. There's a lot of fun moments. I mean, just like my my favorite thing to do, in just in all of D and D, is the the coolest thing I get to do as a DM is I get to do stupid voices as, as, as characters that I've come up with. Um, so I gotta say, my favorite thing that I've I've done over these two years is I, I portrayed a character um, called the Riddle Master. Uh, <laughs> who who tells very bad riddles that are very easy to answer? Um, it's it's very if I, if you if you would indulge me, uh, he oh wait, what is the riddle master's voice? It's like oh yes, <laughs> tis I the riddle master, and I come to tear down the establishment with my riddles. <laughs> now come answer them if ye dare. And it's just, you can do that kind of stuff and it's just off the cuff and people have to now deal with the fact that I've said all of those words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things. I, I have a fun uh, dwarf lady named Tamara. So I can I, I can do the Scottish accent whenever I please her, which is a lot of fun. Uh, like that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I've been doing those kinds of voices for forever and it's just very nice um, that now I have an audience that isn't just me in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know? so great. I was Thank so happy. You. I was going to ask you to do the voices. I'm glad you volunteered. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is an audio podcast. We have to give them something. You got you to gotta give them the voices. Oh, it's very fun. I have I have a, a, a half-work named Cliff who he's like, hi, guys. He's kind of like this. He's, he's very meek, uh, but he's just like very adept at everything that he does, which I think is I love that juxtaposition. It's very fun. I think that if I ever do a recorded a recorded Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I will for sure ask you to be the ringleader of it all. Thank you. I appreciate that. The, the special, given the platform special. Literally, I was thinking, I was like, I could definitely like release that on like a Wednesday or something. Oh, for sure. In the off week, baby. That's what it's all about. One day, one day. You know, you got to get that content out. Got to get um, that content. Get that bread. <laughs> so this is my personal question. Well, mm-hmm. first of all, actually, before I go into that, can you die in this game? Oh, yeah. And then what happens it. if you die? Do you just sit out for the rest of it? No, 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 no. So uh, th- there is a there is a, a, a system in place for, for dying. If your health point, your, you know, your HP reaches zero, you um, then have to do what's called death saving throws. So you have to roll a d20. And the number you get... Uh, so you have like three... Uh, you can succeed three times or you can fail three times. And if you fail three times, you're dead. Like that character is officially dead. If you save three times, they're stabilized and they're, they're okay. If your character dies, like dies, dies, um, then, you know, it, depending on the campaign, you could like go to the underworld to like save them or whatever. Uh, or the, the person who's playing those characters can just re-roll another character and just hop in, you know? Re-roll or just recreate? Uh, re- well, re-roll and recreate are kind of like the same thing. You, you make a new Got character. It. Actually. okay yeah, yeah, yeah um you know and again depending on the campaign the dm can like again they can just like be like oh we're gonna go save this character or they can just be like no nah, they're dead 
they're, they're dead for real. <laughs> I'd be so mad if someone just said that my character was dead. Yeah, but the, there's systems and places to again to save the character. As your party member, you can like run over and stabilize their wounds. The healer can heal them. Like there's ways to prevent that, and and that's kind of like what promotes teamwork and all these other things. Um, so that you know, it's really interesting. Yeah, this is okay. So it's a team. It's fully team. You don't like fight with the other people you're playing with, or can you? Oh, you could. If, Have you ever that, done that? Story. Uh, no, not yet. Uh, I, I think it'd be interesting too, but it's also just a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. You know? Okay. I get that. I get that. Um, this is a cynic. This is the cynic in me asking this question. Go for it. What's the joy? Well, now, okay. I don't even know if I could. Okay. I can preface this better. Hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a question that I had asked before coming into this podcast. I now understand how enjoyable this game must be Mm -hmm. and i've really been changed that i want to play it a lot more Mm -hmm. but when i was first introduced to this game my first thought was what's the point in playing a game that you don't win because you don't you can't win this game it's just a journey yeah well um so it's interesting uh i i I prescribe to the belief uh that uh you know life is is kind of as a human life and experiencing life is this kind of is its own reward almost um just because i don't know what what happens next so i'm going to take advantage of what i do know and that's the now and that's experiencing these things so like being on the journey of life kind of reflects the journey of the game itself but i have magic powers in here uh and you know which is nice um but in terms of like winning a campaign a, a good story will always end right there comes a point when uh, things lead to other things and you need to end a story uh, to have that finality, to have that conclusion. And the same thing goes with the D&D. A good campaign has an ending. The campaign I'm DMing right now, I have an ending in mind, but I don't know how we're going to get there. And that's what's exciting. Okay, yeah. I asked that question for other people because I do think that the journey seems incredibly fun now. But I remember yeah. last year, my brother had told me he had started playing the game. And that was the first question I asked him. He was mm-hmm. with all his friends and he was like, we're playing this game. And I was like, have you ever won? And he goes, we don't win. And I go, then why are you playing that game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But then, you know, that's where it's just like life. You know, you make your own you make your own victories. So like, oh, we, we beat this combat encounter that we probably shouldn't have beaten. We won, like, you know, we won today at least, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, totally. So uh, I, I, one more quick question. Your campaign, yeah. the campaigns last how long? Uh, it, it can go for years, man. It, it really oh, just depends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but... It, again, it depends. It depends on who you want to play with. If you just want the campaign to be like a couple of weeks, that's completely fine. That's viable. If you want it to go for, you know, five years, it's a great way to keep in touch with your friends, you know? True, true. And I think that's another reason why I've switched from being like, oh, you can't win to being like the joy in playing because of co- Corona and this quarantine. Like, really just getting together with your friends and doing anything is a joy. Yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> That's kind of, you know, it, that's how it, uh, we I started, at least with this group. I was like, I, because, you know, we the campaign that I was in before kind of fizzled out. And I was like, I really would like to play this game. And I want to share it with people who I think would also enjoy it. And so I reached out to some uh, friends of mine. And I was like, do you guys want to play this game? Don't worry. I will do all of the math. I, I promise <laughs> I will do all of the math. All you have to do is just like, 
you know, then they're all actors. So, it, you know, it, it was just, it was very fun. All you have to do is just be this character and that's it. Hold on, <laughs> math? You're talking about logistics, right? No, I'm, I mean math. Uh, <laughs> math well, logistics and math. Because the game, you know, the character sheets, you have to do a lot of math and a lot of calculations oh, God. Uh, to do it. So, you know, I, I just like, just press, one, just press one button, roll that, roll those bones, baby. And then you just let me take care of the rest. And I'll, <laughs> I'll just... You know, but uh, now you, know, you lost me. Math. Oh, okay, uh, we're ending the podcast math. here <laughs> on, on math. Yeah, no, I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought school. Yeah, into- you should have prefaced with that instead of wasting an hour of my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So are you playing over Zoom right now? Yes. Yeah, that, that was uh, sorry. I, I forgot to mention that part. Yes, we are playing over Zoom. And how much how many times do you meet once a week? Uh, we try to do once a week. Again, schedules are kind of uh, hard to to work around, but usually Sunday nights, hopefully tomorrow, uh, the day that we're recording this, uh, we'll be able to play. But, you know, again, it, it, you know, part of it is like and part of, you know, just being a good friend is is for things to like, you know, for plans, you know, to be flexible and for plans to like change uh, because, you know, but that's just kind of the way life works sometimes. Yeah, but and it also seems like it's. It's really whatever. I feel like you could play every day or you could play every month and still yeah. like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, and, you know, and like I said before, it's a great way to keep in touch with friends. Me personally, yeah. I don't think I can play every day. It does take a lot of energy, even just for talking. Because, you know, sessions can last from like two hours to three hours. So even for talking for three hours straight doing, uh, for some reason, all of my voices have gravel in them. I don't know why. I'm, I'm <laughs> literally a singer. I don't know why I do that. It's just fun. Self-sabotage. Uh, Oh yeah, I've 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 made it a point now uh, to not do a D and D section before I have to sing the next day. <laughs> this is just tough, man. Yeah. Okay, let's get a little right. sentimental as we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh. Sure. Um. Uh, it, it's a way. To, to me, um, it's it's a toughie because uh, it means so many different things. But I think, uh, you know, it's uh, I've I've said this like three times by now. But it's just, it's really nice to be able to to connect with friends, uh, to connect with old acquaintances, uh, and stuff like that. And and to to do this thing uh, that we're all into and and we're all excited about. Um, it, it's also just like as a creator and i and i know you you uh also agree it's just like being able to to craft a world and make music for it like this campaign there's a lot that's based on around music and um it's just really nice to be able to have that kind of um i don't want to say power but to just have that ability and and to incorporate all of these different art forms into one one thing um and to see it played out and to see people having fun and to laugh uh and and to you know maybe cry uh eventually when we get to the more uh dramatic beats right now we're just kind of doing like a lot of dick jokes it's just it's just it's about 80 percent dick jokes <laughs> at this point um i but, do you mind if i interrupt and ask have of you course. is it does it usually get like dramatic um it's gotten dramatic uh one time so far um no spoilies about how dramatic it will get, <laughs> but it's it depends. Again, uh, uh, in, in the adventure zone, it starts out with with just like you know jokey, 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 joke. But then by you know episode fifty, things are getting real. You know, it it, it just again it depends on the story, depends on the people. Uh, my favorite thing is to watch something that is silly, um, 
remain silly, but to to add a lot of heart to it and to add a lot, a lot of that kind of emotional impact. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping I can I can do it. Uh, I, I maybe I can give you an update when the campaign's over, uh, <laughs> if I accomplish that. Because um, you know, I'm still green. I'm still really new at this. Um, but I'm excited to to keep going with it. I'm super passionate about all these things. Uh, and yeah, man, it's just cool. I've never I've never. It's like it's like when because uh, I'm you know, uh, sing. I'm also a singer songwriter. So it, it's like a similar feeling to actually being able to like play uh, one of my songs with with the band I'm in, and to see it like come to life in a way that I wasn't expecting. You know, it, it's a similar thing, but it's just like I don't know. It's very creatively fulfilling and in a way that i've never experienced before yeah i see that uh i think there's such a joy in the escapism that comes with role playing or acting in general yeah i also think and i can't speak on a player of this game but having been with you the past hour Mm -hmm. there's also especially for us we are performers we are told what to perform there's such an art to free form acting free form performance without like rules and just getting to be yourself as a performer instead of following what someone's telling you to do yeah i mean you can interpret a song whatever way you want you can bring yourself into any role but at the end of the day you're bringing it into a pre-written role and things like that um it just reminds me i mean we had a male beauty pageant our in high school mm-hmm. i don't know if you had that like the mister and then your school name um, no, that... we didn't have that. But I have seen the video. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good. Maybe I'll post it on. Maybe <laughs> maybe you'll get that snippet if you follow my account, uh, given the platform <laughs> at Instagram. Plugs, plugs, plugs. Um, plugs, 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 plugs. <laughs> TM, TM. But I just remember vividly that that performance was probably my favorite performance to date. And it was the sloppiest and the laziest. and But it was the most fun because I just was myself and I was silly and I let it go and that is kind of a beautiful thing nowadays, especially um, as performers who are told who have to follow what we're given to perform. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's so, you know, it is that it is really is that kind of creation. And and it's, it's, that's a lot of actors I feel like are into this kind of thing. Cause again, it's just one big improv game, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And just being able to, to have that level of creation is just so powerful. Yeah. So every episode I ask my guest, if you were in my shoes and you were interviewing yourself, what would you ask yourself that I have not yet? And then go ahead and answer that for us. Oh, um, oh, so uh, the Harrison, Harrison, the question I, I would ask me is Nick, all of the numbers, things that doesn't really, how, how, how do I, how do I get into this? It seems so complicated and the handbook doesn't help very much there's so many words and i would say bear 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 no ill will child for i present with you fastcharacter.com this wonderful wonderful this wonderful <laughs> website uh that is exactly how it sounds you just make a character very very quickly any level any race any class including the expanded ones from the expansion packs for 5e um they finally recently added a gender neutral option thank god uh it took them a little bit longer than i would have liked personally um but it's a great way to just kind of you can make your character really really quickly and then you can just jump into a game which is awesome uh other resources i have for uh dms uh, uh 
on Roll20, Roll20.net uh, is a wonderful website with a lot of resources on it. Um, the monster list specifically is something that I use a lot uh, just because it has a bunch of different monsters, not all of them. And again, you can make your own, uh, but it's just a great resource uh, for, for dungeon masters. Uh, and I think I mentioned the the automatic dice roller from like Google and on your phone and stuff like that. Uh, these are just you know ways of making everything a little bit more accessible. For this fast character thing, do you, does it like randomize the character for you, or do you still get the option to just like click what you want? So it, it does. It's a little bit random. Uh, you can choose again. You can choose your your race. You can choose your class. You can choose your background, which is uh, something I didn't get into, but that's part of it. Uh, your alignment, uh, but that's like the lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good. I, I didn't get into any of that, but I feel like we, I feel like we as a society know that at this point. Yep. Um, and it kind of like what it does is it optimizes the stats for that class and for that race, uh, for you. Uh, which is why I, I really advocate for if you're starting off a campaign and you need something uh, really, really quickly, use it. Uh, and then after you've been playing and like this is something that you're like, okay, I think this is going to happen for a while, I would go in and adjust the numbers afterward. So as a final question, mm-hmm. Mr. Scafudo. That's me. Where can we find you? And or do you have things that you want to plug? Because I have things that I want to plug for you, but I want you to say them. <laughs> Thank you, Harrison. Uh, yes, actually, you can find uh, we have a band. It's a band called Nick and the Leg Heavy Boys. Uh, the name is misleading. I'm not the front man, but I, we think it's very funny that it sounds like I am. Uh, we uh, you can just follow uh, Nick and the Leg Heavy Boys. There's a hyphen between leg and heavy on uh, just a bunch of social medias. We have a YouTube channel that we post uh, weekly videos. Uh, we have an Instagram, a Facebook, a TikTok, um, and pr- if you want, I, I have an Instagram. It's uh, Scafoots, S-C-A-F as in Frank U-T-Z if you want to follow that I don't really post very often but do follow the band page if you can <laughs> yeah great okay Mr. Scafudo I have one That's final me. request yep sure I traditionally end these podcasts myself with me doing the outro but mm-hmm. not only would I like you to do the outro but I would like um the riddle master to do today's outro for me if you don't mind uh yeah yeah sure 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 let, let me just grab him hey todd todd yes he wa- he wants you to do the outro oh okay hello tis i the riddle master thank you all so much for watching or I guess listening, because it's a podcast, I, and that's wonderful. I, every We have new episodes out for Given the Platform every Saturday at 12 p.m. It's available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Given the Platform. Now, Harrison, I have a riddle for you, as is, as is customary for the Riddle Master. Of course. What has six faces but does not wear makeup? Has 21 eyes but cannot see. What is it? My best guess? A dice. Ah, you've you've defeated the Riddle Master at his own games. And my own dastardly games. Well done, sir. See you all next week. I'm dying! 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 That was so good. Thank you. <laughs> also, this might make it at the very end, but it's a die, which is ironic because yeah. then you died. Yeah, ex- oh, that is really good. Ah, dang. Oh, man. Should I call him back? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no.